welcome to Wrestling Chat with Friends. I highly anticipate a large dose of cowboy shit when they're in Virginia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It is your favorite weekly Richmond Talk Wrestling. It is Wrestling Chat with Friends. As always, I'm Megan Rickman-Blackwood, your favorite heel in heels. And I am joined by Cheats, the Peter, two belt. I you got your belt tonight? Where are your belts? I'm here. I've got a Matt Hardy AEW figure. I've got a Jake the Snake Roberts in honor of... Uh, his performance last night on Dynamite. He did get a little little action in last night. I I was I was pretty impressed with how was, good he can still move. I was quite concerned because obviously the most what most people know about Jake Roberts is his that DDP saved his life and he couldn't walk and all of that stuff. So anytime he does anything active, I'm like, brah, like stop, try to try not to hurt yourself. So, well, I mean, that, massive shout out to DDP because I mean I, he definitely moved better last night than I think he would. I thought I've he ever was seen. Right, like he was like very much ambling, even when he first got to AEW. So it was all big props to DDP. And I'm glad, and I'm glad to see uh, Jake the Snake, uh, you know, continuing to get better because that was a real concern. Absolutely, I think one of the greatest things about AEW is how much they are focused on mental health and sobriety um, when necessary. So uh, it's been it's been an amazing show and I'm really excited to talk about it. So why don't we go ahead and bring our guests in and we can start chatting about this amazing uh, piece of free television we got last night. I can't believe that wasn't a pay-per-view. It was so it was, freaking good. It was good. amazing and you're right. So that we're going to bring in uh, our first guest, which was one of our original guests on this show, one of our original friends. We're going to welcome in our homeboy, Ali. Welcome to the show. Glad hey to guys. see you. What's up, Ali? What's good, man? Oh, my God. I'm so glad and so excited to nerd out about an episode of wrestling that really was so emotional. Like, I felt like I was 14 again. That's awesome. And we're going to talk all about last night and AEW Dynamite. It was amazing. And we also have a brand new first-timer, a huge, uh, huge wrestling fan. We're so excited to welcome in Elliot. Elliot, welcome to Wrestling Chat with Friends. First time ever. Look at that background. AEW it's so heavy. It's so good. Appreciate you so having good. me on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And Ali, I want to second what you just said. Doesn't It takes a lot for wrestling these days to pop me. And it doesn't happen often anymore. But last night was definitely one of those nights. So everybody here has a gimmick, right? Like I'm your favorite heel in heels. Cheats is cheats two belts, even though he has the one tonight. Um, and Elliot, I, I think I'm going to give you the gimmick of the collector because you have so many people on your back wall. Ali, have you have you came up with like a solid gimmick since the last time you were with us? Oh gosh, uh, I'm on the spot. No, I don't have a gimmick. Can can I be like a circa 2005 WWE guy where I'm just my first name last name? You know, generic <laughs> trunks first name last name. I support it. I'm I with it. it. So Ali, generic trunks. That's the move. Um, so, uh, you guys, let's just go ahead and jump right in. What are you popping for this week? Like what really got you going? I know for me, like this tonight is an all, all, all elite wrestling show for me. Um, just because last night was so phenomenal. So go ahead and let me know. What are you popping for this week? Uh, I'll say I, I popped for Keith Lee big time. Like you, even though you kind of knew it was going to happen, the way it happened, the way it was executed, the way he looked in the ring, the way he performed in the ring, 
it, you know, you can't debut much better than that and, and, and can't be much more exciting than the way he debuted. And it was, uh, I popped pretty hard for him. Absolutely. That is a, a solid pop right there. Ali, what about you? Yeah, I was also going to say Keith Lee, but I'll also then, I guess since that was already mentioned, talk about John Moxley and CM Punk, seeing them in the ring together, it was like, it reminded me of the times when, you know, like The Rock, you know, Mick Foley had already left and they're cornering The Rock, right? And then Mick Foley comes back. That excitement to see two people in the ring, you know, in my old age, super cynical, I, I popped for that. I, I was emotionally attached to it. I was following every dip and curve in the, the sort of the flow of the match, but also Keith Lee. Oh my gosh. There's nobody like him. Like, I think the last time I saw charisma that good, obviously it was the rock. I compared it to the rock, but I'd also say like the street profits have that kind of just charisma, just pure energy. They come in they're rock stars. They change the mood in the room and he's so good. I mean, I, and I was, yeah, I could talk forever about it. I definitely, I mean, uh, for me, I, I was I was really hyped up about John Moxley and CM Punk. So when I came back to wrestling in 2011, um, CM Punk was my guy. And then uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose uh, became the, the person that kind of filled that like edgy, weird, uh, non-traditional wrestling guy gap for me. Um, so to see them together was just phenomenal. And the way they worked together, um, I think they did a really good job storytelling. Like it was clear that they weren't a team. They hadn't, you know, with FTR, who was so smooth with their moves and like cleanly works together. Um, I just thought it was phenomenal. And even some of the like call outs and like figuring out the moves as they went. It was just I, I was blown away. Uh, Chief, what about you? I know. I know you were anticipating Keith Lee, and that has to have been one of your big pops. No, the, the the entire episode of AEW Dynamite last night was probably the best two hours of television that I had seen as a wrestling promotion cable-free TV show. Um, in a long, I mean, in a long, long time. I'm talking about since like WCW Clash of Champions, NWA Clash of Champions type of like it was a, last night was a pay-per-view basically mm -hmm. on television and are we so, are we in agreement that it was the best AEW show that they've the ever put a, on it's the best a, ever i don't know because the, the pay-per-views leading up to some some of those pay-per-views leading up to it's a i will say this it's the best on television episode and you know AEW does a lot of special on television they do a lot of winter is coming a lot of the the one mm -hmm. at um, Arthur Ashe Stadium, but they they had a title for it. Um, can't remember what it was called, but it was yeah. the the two nights at Arthur Ashe. It was Stadium. like a Grand Slam, I think. Yeah, what was it yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly right. It was Grand Slam. So they had Grand Slam. They had Winter is Coming. They've got these things that they put on television in the spirit of a Saturday Night Main Event back in the WWF days or the Clash of Champions in the NWA WCW days. This was as good as those. This was that good. And the interesting thing was, even though Tony Khan teased new arrivals, he didn't really tease how good this show was going to be. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't talk about, like, from opening <laughs> inner MJF Inner Circle celebration was hilarious to moving on people. I mean, this is an episode where Jade Cardgill is basically an afterthought. And she would have been probably one of the biggest pops on any of the other shows. This is yeah. a show where 
the yep. inner circle has a as a a really cool kind of breakup stare down Santana Ortiz and, and Jericho making a little bit more of a heel push than usual. This is a show where the main event, the heavyweight champion of the world, Lance Lance Archer and Hangman Page go at it, and it's an afterthought compared yeah. to what Keith Lee did and what CM Punk uh, and excuse me, what CM Punk and John Moxley and FTR did. And it was just a phenomenal, even the throwaway matches were phenomenal, uh, yeah. if you can call it that. So I, I think the whole thing, the whole two hours of television, was. I had to go back and rewind and be like, that was phenomenal. And yeah. uh, of course, the Keith Lee thing, the Keith Lee appearance was the biggest emotional reaction I've had since. And, and again, credit to AEW. Uh, the Adam Cole Brian Danielson mm-hmm. kind of reveals, and I'm and I'm thinking the one thing that when we talk a lot about the other, you know, we talk about WWE or we talk about even some of the stuff that's happening in the Indies, it's very um, rare in this day and age of internet dirt sheets and so forth, where you get such an emotional reaction from somebody walking to the ring or music yeah. hitting, yeah. and AEW kind of consistently more so than I can remember and 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 you know, kind of not so recent wrestling history of I'm watching, but AEW has done it over and over again with these wonderful debuts, the wonderful way that they present them, even if you know it's coming. Um, and I will say before we move on, the and, and I wrote this in the chat um last night. I love Isaiah Cassidy from Private Party. He is so good at what he does. And he was the perfect person and to, to have Keith Lee debut yeah. against simply mm-hmm. because from the first toss where Isaiah <laughs> Cassidy literally no. could have died. He really he literally went up died. like 10 feet in the air like he fell That was insane. I, wa- I watched, it, watched it three times. I couldn't tell if that was more Keith or more Isaiah that was feeding I, that. Yeah. Isaiah, every time – the only thing I'm worried about with Isaiah Cassidy is that he's so good in this role that I don't want him to become like Dolph Ziggler, right? Like somebody that's really talented that never gets over the top. Because him and uh, Marcus at Private Party, they're Quinny, They're so good. They they deserve like. And Isaiah played the role perfectly. Uh, Keith Lee, I'm talking about, put his four, put his 340 pounds on him a bunch of times, like just you know full body press him, and he did such a great job. Uh, Keith Lee wins overall, but that 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 two hours was amazing. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Um, and I will say Isaiah Cassidy is one of the best sellers in in so, AEW. And so um, talented, so talented. I think back a lot to the the Randy Orton comment where he's like, "Those are the guys you like. Get a bag of ice. <laughs> you go back, like check on them, buy them a meal, make sure they're all right, because those are the people that make you look good. And those are really the the folks that like when you look at like monster stars, like." There's people always like Isaiah Cassidy that are are doing the really hard work of putting them over. So Isaiah Cassidy gets all the love from WCWF today. Um, for me, I am popping for it's the smallest thing of the show, right? But it's like it popped me so hard during that same match when Matt Hardy disappeared over the rail, and the comment was, "He's acting so erratic." 
if we didn't know that Jeff Hardy was coming before, we know now right. Jeff Hardy is coming, right? Like there is, which I'm really happy that like, you know, his drug tests have been released and he wasn't, you know, he hadn't relapsed and all that stuff. But if we didn't know before, we know now. Jeff Hardy is coming to AEW. Like it's only a matter of time. And I think like that's something I really appreciate about them is like how well they like put little things in that like give us the long-term story. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was popping for that real hard. Um, so we've already talked about it a little bit, but uh, Keith Lee is all elite. Let's jump right in and get to that. And I'm actually, cheats, I'm so sorry, but I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave the show in your hands because as you guys can tell, I'm still at work and uh, sure. they just wrapped up the last committee of the evening. So I've got to go get ready for tomorrow with my boss. But I, I just wish I could stay and talk wrestling with you guys because this has hands down been the best part of my day. The work awesome. is never done, Megan. The work is it's never not. done. We appreciate it. Uh, go uh, make the world a better place, and uh, we'll see you next time. Appreciate what she does for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's keep going, though, because, again, that, that AEW Dynamite episode and the Keith, Keith Lee debut really does mean a lot in regards to the landscape of wrestling and we we talked about what's happening in regards to the the massive amount of WWE releases which again they just reported another record revenue number so we'll, we can talk about that as well in regards to budget cuts as the reason of all their releases right but now you've seen again Brian Danielson you've seen Adam Cole uh, before that, you saw John Moxley. Now, you, obviously, before that, or around that time, you saw uh, the Bastard Pack, right? Um, Andrade. So now we're in a position where we get a somebody that, for whatever reason, and at one time, NXT and WWE believed in Keith Lee to an amazing extent, to that they put him in a main event pay-per-view championship match less than a year ago. And now he's released. There's obviously a lot that comes along with that. He he waits out his uh he waits out his non-compete. And he first day that he's available, he's back. He shows up at AEW and the crowd goes wild. He has very familiar Keith Lee gear. He has the limitless gimmick. He has a lot that brings on what does this mean? And not just for AEW, but what does this mean in the grand scheme of how we're looking at the AEW WWE comparisons? I'd say it means when when this is happening, and this is happening now, we could say with regularity, it means that WWE is taking AEW seriously. They are a serious, they're a serious competition now. I'm not talking about revenue. I'm talking about eyeballs on the product and emotional investment yeah and, uh, and emotional investment from people our age because sure. you know w i recognized a long time ago that wwe isn't necessarily focused on me other than my wallet for my son right. and that's and that's cool that's fine that's great um but i as a fan for over 35 years i can appreciate and i also appreciate business AEW knows what to be as competition and they're doing it and they're doing it well. And does it feel like the Monday night wars? 
Yeah, I mean, it just because it looks it looks similar, but I I think the outcome long term will be much different. Good point. Good point, Elliot. Ali, what do you think this means? Arrivals like Keith Lee and and others. Um, what does it mean for AEW? What does it mean as you compare it to if we're looking directly at AEW WWE? Yeah, I would say the watching that match, I popped so huge. One, because Keith is an extraordinary talent. I mean, I think he's a once-in-a-generation wrestler. Second, watching the match, watching the selling, watching the story being told, watching the way Keith really wasn't bumping around. They've got a bad habit, and a lot of the indies do this, and AEW does this a lot, where a lot of the big guys bump around for the small guys. And I, I really respect that these folks respect each other so much that they like to be very generous in the ring in terms of storytelling. But when you're a big guy, you can't be bumping around for the small guys. It tells a weird story. Right. Okay. And I was so thrilled. Because when Keith got in there, we all know Keith's a big dude, but God against Isaiah Cassidy, he looked like the Hulk. And 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 I was so glad that that visual was followed along in the match. And, and, and Isaiah didn't lose anything from it because he showed heart, he showed guts, he was fearless. He was out there hustling, trying to get Keith Lee down, but Keith was like this monster where all these bumps, he, he took a little bit of it, right? He sold a little bit, but he didn't yeah. oversell it. And it was flawless. So that says a few things. One, uh, it's amazing that they're open to talent like Keith Lee. Two, that's a very different sort of booking than what we saw a year ago from AEW, where I'm, we're so used to these long 20-minute matches, even on TV, where we've got really amazing, talented athletes who are able to do all kinds of high spots. But you know, I personally am a little bit tired of like 10 high spots, and then you kick out at two. It's, it's a little silly because we appreciate the athleticism, but it's a story. You're supposed to believe that these two people are fighting. They're having a real fight. Right. That's what it looked like. So one, what to me it says is that AEW is really growing into being a professional wrestling business that's ready for the big times. And they're sort of getting away from high spot, high spot, high spot, we're in the circus, which I respect that. I don't want to talk down to the athletes that do that. But at the same time, you're on national TV, you're playing with the big boys, You've got to tell a compelling story where two people are actually trying to kill each other. They're actually trying to win. I like, no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, I think there's some maturity that we saw. Now, and again, I'm not going to make the assumption that Dynamite's going forward is going to be like Dynamite's last night. Because Dynamite last night, like, like Elliot and I were saying, is probably the best Dynamite, definitely the best Dynamite they've ever had. Might be the best show that AEW has ever had last night. It was, it was that good. But the way that they just kept coming at you with banger, 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 uh, even, again, the, this talking spot, so the extensive talking spots between um, uh, MGF and the Pinnacle at the very beginning uh, and the Inner Circle talking spot was an extended talking spot as well. Um, still kept, kept the, I think, kept the audience riveted. They bought drama. They, they're they telling stories. And I think last night you saw a lot of maturity. Um, there's still mm-hmm. a couple of things, and we'll get to this a little bit later in the show. There's still a couple of things that I think AEW does just AEW does just because it's AEW. Um, just like the random, random blood stuff for no reason. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the championship match in a little bit. But um, I'm really, really just compelled about how long do you guys think AEW can keep up this amount of debuts, right? There's still 
there's still some really major players. Uh, the I guess as of right now, and based off of last night, I guess you know Wyndham or Bray Wyatt, aka, is still kind of the, one of the biggest attractions that is not necessarily signed, right? Um, but how long do you think AEW can maintain this commitment to just picking up universally the hottest talent that's available uh, without, like, I think there is already some suffering on the back end, right? There's people that we don't, that are on AEW's roster that we don't see on TV anymore, especially on Dynamite and Rampage. You, you, might, you might see them work. Um, you see lengthy spots where, you know, really talented folks like Jay Lethal or Ricky Starks or those guys don't necessarily work every week, right? So how long do you guys think this particular posture of AEW picking up that that talent and putting them on TV right away can maintain uh, as, as it has up to this date? I think it can maintain as long as the – willingness is there the creativity is there the what appears to be a real sense of teamwork is going on there is enough talent to keep momentum going for quite a while if and you know the, the you know the the amount of free agents the quality of free agents is going to slowly dry up but if those if the majority of those talents end up in AEW it's all a matter of what they do with it you know, like, you know, you might hate the commanders, new name commanders, but win, win, winning solves everything. That winning is true. solves a lot of things. So if, if it's, if these guys come in and the egos are in check and the production is the way it is and the creative writing is the way it is and the freedom to let these professionals be professionals continues, it, the next six to seven months are going to be interesting, critical, whatever you want to say, but I think they're up to it. Because so far, I mean, just I, mean, I don't want to point this out, and then Ali, I want to hear what you have to say. We talked so much about this episode yesterday being one of the best, the best they've ever done. This is coming off Sammy and Cody, who had one of the best spots you will ever see on television. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was one of the best spots I've ever seen. So to come right out of that with this kind of banger of a show, they are they are appear to be hitting on all cylinders. Ali, what do you think in regards to them being able to maintain this level of commitment of signing new acts and this momentum? And do you think the back end of the roster, if you will, or is there is there any kind of fear of people on the roster getting overlooked or suffering? Yeah, I think, you know, with I don't want to overblow it, but with folks like Brian Cage and others, you know, we know that there's some uh, uneasiness backstage and he Brian Cage is probably the loudest one. That, I think that, I, I heard there. the internets are reporting some Ruby Soho disgruntledness as well. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, true. Although Ruby's been on TV consistently. Um, <laughs> and so, right. yeah, the, the answer to the question mm -hmm. is they've got plenty of talent. And I think they do a great job. And I really, uh, from the outside as a fan, really appreciate that the large roster allows them to give people time off for, for all kinds of things, right? Whether they need to heal up or they've got a family issue or maybe they're sick or whatever, you know, then that's, I think that's really healthy keeps the talent healthy so that's good but they're packed that they have to have i mean that's it's a huge roster and yeah i think there's people who we don't see we're like oh yeah like every time i see pack i'm like why isn't he aew champion <laughs> right he's still there he's, he's still there incredible intense aggressive looks great anything and anyone he's with he makes it look real every strike he makes it looks like oh god like 
even the leg slaps, which look fake for everyone else, he's so smooth. You barely see it or you don't see it at all. He's phenomenal and he's not on TV enough. So my, you know, my answer to your question is, um, I think they're going to have to start, you know, I know a lot of contracts are coming up, people who signed three years ago, you know, I think they're going to have to go through the churn and start letting some people go because the roster is a little too big. And, uh, and I think there are going to be more and more really amazing talents that'll come out of WWE or other places. And I think they've got to be ready for that. And Tony's got a great eye for it. And Tony has, I think, himself even said that these contracts are coming up and we're not going to be able to re-sign everybody. Right. And that's that's a mature answer. And, sure. you know, he's that, – that's – what I also like about the high roster is these these people come time off. They're also allowing them to do indie dates too, which is excellent. You know, that's something that WWE wouldn't even they, – they, no, no way. That's, that's building the sort of foundation and environment that people – will want to stay with. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually the biggest asset that AEW has. Uh, AEW doesn't do the exclusive guaranteed contracts. Uh even for who I know we would consider big stars in their company, right? John Moxley is basically an ambassador over at GCW at this point. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. he's been heavyweight champion. Um we've seen a bunch uh we've seen a bunch of AEW talent show up in Japan, Mexico, all over the country on indie shows. Um, Jay Lethal was just here in Norfolk Saturday, last Saturday, doing the first uh, of of a promotion in Virginia. So that was really, I think, something that because financially they're not signing uh, talent at, at the exclusive price that WWE was signing talent, they'll say, hey, we'll give you a contract to work here you can pick up money as we go along. And I think that's really attractive to talent. I think that's yeah. just, uh, it gives them a sense of freedom that they've never had. Um, and they give them opportunities. Hey, if you want to go to Japan and do a real run, couple month run, you're able to do that as well. Obviously the relationship that they're keeping with other companies like impact um, is, is interesting as well. So I think you're exactly, exactly right. Is there someone you'd mentioned pack? Uh, is there someone that you wish from the AEW side that you wish you would see work more um, that is there somebody that you've already identified that says, Hey, I need to, I, I wish this person was on either dynamite or rampage more so I could see, see their talent. Uh, and from an, from a nostalgia appreciation standpoint, you know, Frankie Kazarian is one of my favorite guys uh-huh. out there. And, you know, he, he is, he's steady Eddie. He will always be ready to go whenever I personally would like to see him on dark and elevation, you know, almost every week he, he's becoming probably more as much of a coach as anything else. He's got a great mind, but you know, I'd love to see him more. Um, I'd have to look at that roster list and, you know, I know sure. if I'd see it, I'd see guys like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, but, but that, that is a, you know, was a, you're going to be spoiled if you have that much talent, but there is, a finite amount of airtime right now. And that will be the real telling issue, I think, is what AEW decides to do next. Seeing all this talent, maybe even having to make some cuts when they decide, do we expand? And, you know, I I, I think that's, you know, does Dynamite, does Rampage go to two hours? Does the dreaded three-hour Dynamite? I hope they are smart enough to avoid that. But maybe that's a good. I don't know. But they have more talent than they have available time right now, and right. you know, it'll just see see what they you know. Jury's still out. We'll see what they can do. 
Ali, you've said in the past, uh, just I think we were watching we were watching some matches and tweeting about it, and you mentioned uh, Johnson. Is it Shoddy Lee Johnson? Um, he's in the Nightmare Family. It's super charismatic. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Um, I, if it's, I mean, I would go younger as we talked about, like Isaiah Cassie and Private Party. Uh, I think they had this idea at the time with Dante Martin and Leo Rush and the um, and Team Taz. That's kind of probably fizzled out now that Leo's not with the company right now. Um, the, the, the black hole vortex that is Team Taz, right? Um, but they ha- they have such young talent. Whether it's Daniel Garcia or Lee Moriarty or Dante Martin, and um, and I'm trying to figure out how do you get some of that young talent a little bit over the edge, and given because again, the Andrade. Malachi Black, these guys are mid-carters. They're not in the championship picture right now. And they're obviously not old. They're very much experienced. And so there's these tiers, right, of super young talent, these really established mid-card folks that are extremely talented as well. And then there's the title picture, right? So uh, you're right, guys. It's an embarrassment of riches. And um, there's bound to be some pretty eye-opening cuts i think over the next uh year six months to a year and you know the indies are probably going to be sitting there lucky their chops to get some of these guys to make money for their promotions so um let me ask this because the next um big part of the segment we're, it's, it's going to be basically all of a review of last night but we're going to break it into some sections talk to me about the falling apart of the inner circle this is the first faction this is the first faction that AEW really had. This is Jericho's faction. He bought him in all one by one. Cut probably one of the best promos he's ever cut in his life when he introduced the inner circle of Sammy, Santana Ortiz, Jake Hager, and himself. Uh, and they did have some pretty big runs early on in the AEW um, inner circle versus Pinnacle on top of a cage type stuff. Um, this is something I think people have seen coming, not just – uh, on the camera and the storytelling with Eddie Kingston, I think this is something that people saw coming. Uh, also in the back, in the back in the writing room, when they're saying, "Hey, look, these Santana Ortiz are, are big stars. They've been stars everywhere they've gone. They've been extremely loyal. How do we, how do we make them um, stand out and stand on their own? Do, do you like how they're doing the the fall apart of the inner circle? I do. Yeah. I mean, I I think last night everyone's everyone played their role exactly the way they needed to play it you know chris playing the the veteran who feels who has the ego sammy who's clearly one of the pillars who probably thinks he doesn't need this i left before i can leave again that that tag team should be in the title picture right now and i imagine they will be even jake hager you know it wasn't quite as obvious as the wardlow segment was but you even saw Jake, you know, maybe like is Jake like, am I going to go with Chris? Am I going to bail too? And you know, what's going to work? I think it worked. It worked top to bottom. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. And to be honest, the inner circle had kind of gotten stale. I remember when Sammy put the put the vest back on. I was like, oh right, uh, that <laughs> inner circle. Um, you know, I'm poor Jake Hager, and I was a fan of him in WWE. I really enjoyed the whole We the People shtick. I thought it was really fun. And uh, but he's been so stale the, his whole run. Not because he's not talented. The guy's, the guy's a boss. But like, I just can't. I don't know. Like, 
is it the charisma? Is it his in-ring style? I don't know. I, I haven't connected with him. He hasn't been part of any compelling stories. And him just standing there kind of feels like a waste. So I'm happy that we can fast forward through it and really elevate Santana Ortiz. I've always enjoyed them. They're great on the mic. They've got great looks. They look menacing. And, and you know, again, not to take away from the other athletes, but there's not that many guys that look like they could really rip you apart. And those two guys, you know, they, they bring a lot of charisma and menace sort of, you know, very old school, like they will brawl the crap out of you kind of energy into the ring. So very excited to see them get elevated. Yeah, yeah I think I mean, the, the, the feud with the pinnacle yep. should have been sort of the blow off of both those factions. And it's sort of, it sort of has been almost by default because there hasn't been a lot of emphasis on them as a group, either one of them as a group. Um, the, the feeling that that was the blow off for that and they're, and they're sort of just making it official now, but um. It worked when it had to work, and maybe they're saying, like, yeah, we don't need this anymore because these guys are standing up on their own as individuals as much as not more. They don't need to pair, be paired up anymore. And Jake Hager might be that name, uh, Ali, that is overlooked, right? We were just trying to figure out who hasn't been used efficiently and effectively at AEW, and Jake Hager might be that guy. Extremely talented. Up to this date, I think his biggest spot was a UFC MMA-style fight with Wardlow, right? That was like the biggest thing he'd done. Um, I just assumed and, he's. I just assumed he's been injured because why wouldn't he have been appearing on these shows other yeah. than just as a bodyguard? So I assume he's had a lingering injury, but I don't know. He he is one that that is interesting in regards to how you know if he's going to stay with the company, how they do utilize him. And you might be right. There might you know there might be some things going uh, going on physically with him, but he, he's he's somebody that. I, I agree with you, Ali. I think he's really talented and as you know can really go in the ring and, and brings a certain uh charisma to to his pre- he has a certain presence when he's in the yeah. ring. So I, I really WWE. Like he he had a lot of yeah. presence in WWE, but and I don't know. He just kind of stands there. There was a time when he became a meme. I don't know if you guys remember that, where <laughs> in his debut he's wearing his like golf polo and he's like just sort of staring at the screen. He became a <laughs> meme and I was like, okay, this is fun. And then it just yeah. fizzled, fizzled out. Let's talk. We'll 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 backtrack to CM Punk, John Moxley, FTR. Let's quickly talk, or not quickly, but let's let's break down Adam Page versus Lane uh, Lance Archer, heavyweight championship. It was technically the main event last night. I think a little bit they kept the momentum going. It wasn't like this is a letdown main event, especially after Keith Lee and after the tag match. They kept the momentum going. But it was a bloody match, extremely bloody match early. Um, really kind of unique in the sense that, that, you know, they took the top rope down. There's all kinds of things in the ring. Very, very brutal uh, match that was a quintessential, I believe, AEW match in the sense that WWE would never put that on TV. Um, so... What do you guys think of, of that match? What did you think of how how that was the main event of what was a really, really great Dynamite. Um, and, and do you think kind of those type of matches have a place? And is Hangman and Archer kind of good representatives of what, – what was it, a Texas death match last night? Mm-hmm. I, personally, you know, as a guy in his late 40s whose love of wrestling goes back to the mid-Atlantic days in the, in the early sure. mid-80s, Yes, I love that. I love the blood. I love the blood. I think uh, 
Adam Page needs to learn how to blade himself a little bit better because <laughs> he has he has been ruining himself the last several weeks. I mean, just ruining himself. Um, unpopular opinion. I am not a huge Adam Page fan. I know, I know. I res- I respect him. I appreciate what he does out there. I think I think there is just so many people of equal, if not superior, talent and charisma in front of the camera that he is a fine representative. He doesn't quite do it for me, you know, but I I thought, you know, and similarly with Lance Archer, um, I thought those guys put on a banger of a contest. However, and it should have been the main event because that is the world champion. World championship. Uh, No doubt about it. It. Maybe I maybe I got a thing against cowboys. Like I I, I, I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with the uh, I wasn't thrilled with the Cad Bane cameo in Boba Fett either. So you know, oh my god, I don't like my I don't like my Star Wars. I don't like my Star my cowboys and my Star Wars. To mix. You blaspheme in here. I don't like my that's cowboys weird. and my wrestling to mix too. Maybe that's, that's awesome. what it is. That's I, awesome. I, I, I'm I, I'm not trying to overcritical. He is a fantastic, and he's a Virginia guy. So you got to yeah. kind of love yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I, I think Moxley's been a better champ. I think Moxley's been a more dynamic champion. I think uh, Jericho, when he was champion, was I wouldn't see him a champion now. But he doesn't quite excite me the way I want the champion to. But that's just just one well, old old guy's opinion. And we're gonna go deep into this with our rate the wrestler segment that's gonna come up right after this. But mm-hmm. let's let's jump to uh, Ali. You tell me what you thought of the main event and tell me what you th- thought of. I- I will quickly say, I when they introduced Archer, I liked the the menacing Jake Roberts and him coming and destroying everything. And I think his first kind of feud was with Cody, right, for the TNT title. Type. Yeah, was, yeah, a while ago. Yep. Yep. I really, really loved it. Since then, I thought he got lost, and obviously this is before the injury. But mm-hmm. I thought he got lost, and they were kind of just figuring out what to do with one of the more scarier dudes, right, in the company. Somebody like you. Like Ali said, you really believed could could rip your head off, right? So you couldn't have them just like job to to people that weren't equally as menacing, but you weren't going to put him in the title picture per se. So I was I was wondering how they would figure this out. Um, when he came back and he said he wanted to fight uh Hangman in, in, in a death match, um, I kind of went into it a little bit blind, but I also went into it forgetting how good, like how good he is. He's actually a really good wrestler, and. He was able – they put on a phenomenal show, um, and he was able to do things that made me really think, like, yo, he's he, – you know, hey, man, he's going to hurt this guy. Like, he's really not – like, not in a bad way, like, not in a, um, a, a botch way. Like, this guy's really – they're really getting it in. And um, so I really appreciated the match. Um, I'm back to right now already being like, where does Archer go from here, right? <laughs> but But – I, I thought they put on a put on a phenomenal show, and I thought Archer was better than I thought before. Like he, in my mind, he left that match elevating my his status with me. Um, Ali, what'd you think? Yeah, um, I agree with Elliot that uh, there. I'm a huge Adam Page fan. I love the gimmick. I love the music. I love his swagger. I love how I love promos and wrestlers who, when they talk, it's not a gimmick it sort of straddles that line, right? Where they're not saying anything, like CM Punk does that really well. They're not saying anything that breaks kayfabe, but they're also not lying. 
he does that really well. But that being said, his championship run has been kind of missing something for me. I, I love the run up to it. Uh, I think part of it is that, and this match was one example. You're right. First of all, when Lance Archer appeared to be in this feud, I was like, oh, right. I forgot this guy was here. Oh, this is a great, this is great. He's menacing. He's big. Um, this is a real challenge that our hero can overcome. And then what fell flat for me in the match was great. I don't really like blood. I don't like like thumbtacks and all that other kind of stuff, like any of that stuff. I, I just think I, I'd rather see people like getting power bombed and choke slammed than like blading themselves, you know, because but that being said, what bothers me about Adam Page is that in the matches and all the matches he's been in, he gets beat up like two thirds of the time. And then he pulls out a win, which is fine. But like, I end up like losing a little bit of like, I'm like, oh God, I got to watch him for another 10 minutes get worked over. Oh, he gets a two second comeback. No, they're 10 minutes of watching him work over. And all these matches are like 50 freaking minutes. So I'm like, the booking hasn't been quite right. And, and you're right. Lance Archer was elevated because he beat the crap out of Adam Page. And he He's looked awesome. menacing. Yeah, yeah he looked great. great. But like, I don't think it did Adam Page any, I don't think winning even helped Adam Page all that much. To me, he, he just seems like another guy who's like barely clinging to the belt when it should be more like each match should build him up more because he's so young you know this is only his first run and i'm hoping his many runs in the future but you know i want to see him like you know getting hurt a little bit but then really making the comeback and, and he's smaller so it should be like he should be able to avoid the or be smarter you know like a little bit ring psychology that puts him over a little more rather than oh look he can get beat the crap out of for 30 minutes and then still win which you know, you can do that for one match, but not all six. I think you can. Remember, we're saying that about him, and he just had two 60-minute matches with Brian Danielson. Right, so back that's, to back, back to it's, back. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to sort of say, like, even with with all that, I I agree. Like, it just doesn't seem like it's been a, a run that shows him as being championship worthy, for lack of a better word. Well, the interesting thing about the the, the trajectory of the matches is that. If you're a heel, right? If, if if you're a heel, like in the in the way that say a Ric Flair is a heel, right? Like one of the best heels of all time, Rick can get beat up for 35 minutes, right? And then cheat cheat and win the belt, and everybody's like, "We love it," you know what I mean? The uh, heels have to carry the matches. Um, obviously, it's it's not going to be um, it's not going to be Adam, you know, kind of winning these lengthy matches the whole time. But I do, I did laugh because literally the match started with like Archer beating up Adam in the hallway, and then after after the he, he threw him through the glass right before they go to the go to the rape. So that's where the first blood starts. But it was Adam got pounded for a strong yeah. fifteen minutes. It was so um, long. I got bored. It was, was pretty. Like, oh, it was okay. pretty. Awesome. I, I watched it back earlier today actually, uh, and they were they were in the commercial break with the picture in picture when adam when Paige got, bu yeah, yeah. got busted open the ring, ring, the ring so they and i didn't even see that last night yeah, the yeah. first time they come back from commercial and he is a mess with blood, right? mess and uh, yeah it, it was but it, it i you know blood I, I agree with you i don't like thumbtacks i don't like the baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire but yeah. i i do not mind the Ric Flair getting busted open and, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I it like should it. should be later in the match. It should, it should be later. Be another, yeah. It should be another peak that you hit. Not like right away you're swimming in blood and like, right. then it's like all over the ring and you're like, oh. cause gentlemen, also like, anyway, go ahead. I was going to say, gentlemen, because we're talking about Heyman page and I've got some of your, uh, got some of your assessments. 
we'll, we'll make this segment a little bit quicker, but we always do a rate the wrestler segment. So um, we have rated some of the best wrestlers in professional wrestling. Um, this time, given what happened last night, we are going to rate Adam Hangman Page. So this is your knowledge of Adam Hangman Page throughout the totality of his career. So if you've only seen the AEW run, you didn't see the Ring of Honor or things like that, you can only judge by what you've seen. Don't just judge it off last night. Think about him as a uh, as a professional wrestler and his entity. The three categories that we always use are mic skills, best out of five, uh, in-ring work, best out of five, and X factor. That X factor is that, like we said, that umph factor, that pop factor, that it. Does he have it? And how do you rate that it to put him over the top? Um, I will start to keep score. You can use point fives. You cannot use anything, any of the other deviations. So if you want to give him a two point five or a four point five, that's fine. But not like a two point seven five or something like that. Um, so I'm going to start. With, we're going to start with Mike Skills. This is strictly just Mike Skills. Um, Adam Hangman Page, Elliot out of five throughout his whole career up to now. How do you rate his Mike Skills? My knowledge of his career has included some Ring of Honor and mostly AEW. Um, I will go ahead and say my opinion from Mike Skills. I will give him, we'll call it a three. Okay. I think he can give passionate promos. I think he can connect with fans. Uh, I think when he tries to really charge it up and get the crowd worked up, I think he may fall just a little bit short there, but um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give him a three. I like it. Ollie, what do you think of a, on the mic, an Adam Hangman page promo? Yeah, I would say overall three out of five, but for the Lance Archer thing, like, two out of five or one out of five. It just wasn't, he wasn't all there, but overall three out of five. All right. We're going to give him a three. I actually agree with you, gentlemen. I'm going to give, I'm going to go with a 3.5 on the mic only because I'm going to give a little bit of a bump because I think he does emotional champion, sad champion. Um, the, the, the the hero that drank too much when he was doing the I'm the hero that drank too much and he was leaving the elite in AW and, and and kind of hanging out with the Dark Order. I actually really enjoyed those segments. I thought they were pretty funny. Um, but there's always been the headlines that he's kind of the emo champion and he's embraced that. Like he's emotional. He probably goes to therapy. He probably drinks too much. It's the depressed so, millennial cowboy. <laughs> right, right. And mm -hmm. so the way that he, um goes about that approach and the way that he talks about it. I like that, that run, that that kind of uh, Hangman Page in AEW much more than I actually like the Hangman Page that they introduced in AEW. They introduced him as like, this guy is going to be a champion. He's going to be a, a shining star. And he, and he was a lot more, there's a lot more bravado um, coming from Ring of Honor um, and, and kind of inter being one of the original kind of folks that they introduced in AEW. Then he kind of took this like, I don't know where I fit in. And I love that. I, I love that. I don't know if it works overall as his championship run. And I think that's the little bit of the disconnect is that when you're champion, you got to like feel like champion. You got to exude champion. And even after the first match with uh, Brian Danielson, he was like, I don't feel like a champion yet. And I knew what he was doing, but I was like, dude, like, you're the champ. Come on. Like, 
Go in there and say, no, don't. He's like going into the ring, like, I'm just going to go in there and try as hard as I can. I'm like, dude, you got the belt. Like, you should be like, I'm going to go in there and, and you know, kick it, kick his, you know what. So I'm going to go with the 3.5. There's two threes and a 3.5. So overall, Mike skills for Hangman Page will leave it at three. I'm going to jump because I think this is actually really important. And I think this is what AEW is hanging their hat on with Hangman. Let's go to X Factor. Ali, I'll have you go first. X Factor is that oomph, that that pop, that intangibles, whatever. If he's doing something outside of the ring that makes people gravitate to him, what do you think X Factor for Hangman Page? Yeah, overall, um, oh my god, I'd have to say two out of five overall. I think he had, I think he was at like a four out of five or five out of wow. five. Wow, no, two was two was low, two was low. But it was a four out of five or five out of five. Like you said, when he was going down sort of the depressed, anxious millennial cowboy, I think he caught something. He caught like a zeitgeist there. There are a lot of millennials, elder millennials that are like feeling the same way. Like, I don't know, man, I expected to be somewhere different in my life. I feel like I'm working hard. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I'm drinking a lot. Like a lot of people connected. And then like, where did that person go? Suddenly he's like, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm not depressed anymore. Now I'm just underperforming cowboy. Like, (laughs) I would say right now. Overall. No, 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 do it overall. This is overall. This is overall, overall. though. This yeah, so, is, so overall, I'll say two out of five for X Factor. Because ooh, when I, I watch the ring, when I would watch his Ring of Honor, or like I remember watching his, some, he had some matches with Pac a couple years ago. Um, Pac had way more charisma, and, and I liked Adam Page, but like I didn't think he had a whole lot of X Factor. Hmm. All right. I, I, I think that's low, but Elliot, what do you got? Well, I think it's everything you talked about, Cheats, as as which, which gave him the 3.5 i think that is the the x factor um his ability to sh- be a champion that shows some emotion i think that like you said Ellie, that's that has him connected um he's always been he's always been a fan favorite even when he's been sort of heelish people love him why do people love him he's got some sort of x factor you know and i sometimes you can even put your finger on it what it is but he, you know, he was in the finals of, he almost, he was in the finals of the first ch- to crown the champion. Mm-hmm. So they believed him out of the gate. He, I think, was underrated when he was doing that dark order uh, time. So I think the it factor, actually, I would give it a 3.5. I mean, like I said, I think that is actually elevating him. As much as it pains me to give a credit to any hokey out there, because that is just not, not what I like, not, not what, what I like, like doing. To do, right? no, no, but... I'll, uh, you know, I try, I try not to hold that against him too much. I'm going super higher than you guys. I, I'm going to go four. I think AEW would tell you that he's a five, um, because they really believe in him. Uh, they really believe in him. Trust me. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go four because here's the thing, like you, uh, like Elliot, you were saying, I've never kind of gravitated through his entire career. I've never gravitated to Hangman Page. Mm-hmm. I've never been. The type maybe it is the cowboy gimmick. Maybe it's uh, I'm old enough to remember Magnum TA. Loved Magnum oh, TA. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, to me, he's just like Magnum TA was completely the opposite of when you would talk about like emotional and emo. No, this guy was like, I'm gonna come out here. We're gonna beat you. you know, we're gonna we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna fight whether it's Tully Blanchard or R. Anderson or whatever. And. Um, he kind of has that look to me, and then he's like the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Like he's he's the anti Magnum TA, and so I'm try. I was just trying to to figure out 
what it is that we were saying that people connected to. But here's the thing. He's been a marked man, Ring of Honor, Indies. He's been a guy where everybody said, this guy's going to be a star. When they first formed AEW, they were like, he was at the opening press conference, and they were like, this guy's going to be heavyweight champion one day. And I thought they told a really wonderful story of leading up to him, getting the opportunity, and and, and getting the belt. And I I think he has drawn people in. Um, And I think... You know, I think a four is where I would land him, and and I think that um, I'm going to be interested to see how he holds the audience after the title run kind of concludes. You know, it's leading up to some really potentially awesome feuds. Adam Cole says he wants to be next. Um, John Moxley's back. Danielson's back. Keith Lee's there now. If Keith Lee, if, if Tony Khan hits the green button and does what they did with like Goldberg back in the day and be like, hey, look, look at what just happened. Let's get Keith Lee in the title picture as soon as possible. That's going to be so exciting. It's going to be so fun. Um, but he, we'll see where, where Hangman and how the X Factor part of this, because he's, he's high. He was always high on potential, high on potential. When you get the title, you're there now. So yeah. now where do you go when it's like, you know, he's not just the young star anymore trying to get there. He's got to be the guy that carries uh, carries the promotion let, for a bit. Let me explain a little bit of my understanding of X-Factor. So I'll give you an example. Um, a couple of years ago, you know, Roman Reigns was the guy, right? Everybody talked about Roman Reigns. And, and I enjoyed Roman's in-ring work. You know, I had no problem with it. And I, I loved his look. He, it, honestly, he looks exactly like when you would make your own character in WrestleMania games in years past, he looks almost exactly like the kind of guy I would make long hair, beard, big dude. But um, his, his lines were stupid and it was clear that he was being pushed, but he still, when he walked out, he felt like a star, even though I was not all that into him. I was like, I knew it. I knew that this guy, I don't always get that from Adam page. I get it sometimes. And sometimes he comes out and I'm like, why do I feel nothing? And why is the crowd so silent? You know? Yeah. So that's, uh- that's fine. My thing is, I don't know if he's a great like. Does Elliot? Does he feel like champion? That's no. the question. Does he uh, feel that, like a champion? No, that's. I mean, I think that's what led me to sort of say very kind of earlier on. Like, I'm not quite. He's not really my favorite overall guy because he doesn't feel like a guy that I've gotten all that. I don't. I can't. I can't invest that much in him. And maybe it is the cowboy gimmick. I mean, it works for a lot of people, but just not 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 for me. But um. Yeah, like I, I, you know, they were on their way. Do you remember some of their videos talked about? They were almost like some of their videos before he became champion would talk about what is a cowboy, and they were almost like trying to update the image of what we think of as a cowboy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not mm-hmm. just the sort of lone ranger that doesn't care about anybody. You know, a cowboy that keeps his word and works hard, like all that stuff that you know. So I think they were on their way there, and then they just lost it. Well, I kind of, I mean, I thought they were almost on their way to like not dropping the cowboy gimmick, but I I saw him as being like the heir apparent to Brody Lee of the dark order. I thought that I I saw a sort of a dark turn coming and maybe he does become this really darker character or, or more of a heel because it just seems like he was aligning himself or the dark order seemed to be lining up behind him. And that didn't exactly pan out. And the whole, I, I liked it and I saw that too. And I was thinking that he might be some type of dark, uh, leader, kind of more of a heel turn. The fun, the interesting thing was, while that was happening, 
the Dark Order just became hilarious. Yeah, they just be, they they weren't the traditional heels like they yeah. they, they came in as like this heel faction. Right, right. They just I, had too much charisma and they were too funny and people liked them too much and it was like they're they're great. I love them. I love what John Silver and I love what all yeah. all those guys do. Yeah, right. and yeah, and they and they did that and like I said that because that could have been the House of Black. If Malachi, Absol- when Malachi, absolutely, and it may, and absolutely. it may still be down the road at some point, but um, yeah, that just shows that's what a lot of talent can do. You don't always get them all lined up together. <laughs> Last category for Adam Hangman Page: in ring work. So in ring work, and I'm going to give him a four. I'm going to start it off with and say um, he has constantly kind of made me grow into a believer of his in ring work. Um, 60 minute matches in 20 in this day and age, even though the athletes are bigger, stronger, faster, and better conditioned, they're just not used to doing that. So the they're just not, they don't have enough TV time to say, Hey, we're gonna let you go for 60 minutes. And I, obviously, that's why I think Brian Danielson is one of the top, if not the top guy in the industry overall. Um, because he, you know, he is able to carry those things and make you believe what, what, what he's doing for 60 minutes. Um, but Hangman's had two of them with uh, with Danielson that I thought were really, really great matches. Um, he had some really good matches with um, – I think he had good matches with Pac when he first came in AEW. He, I saw – I caught a Ring of Honor match. Um, uh, Ty's going to kill me for, for butchering the name, but I think it was Ibuki. Ibuki. Like I saw some, some really amazing matches that he had um, leading up to it. So I understand – I say this to say – I understand why people believe in him. I understand why AEW believes in him. He's he's big. He's strong. He's he's sound actually in the ring. Um, that buckshot Larry, it's an amazing finisher. It's a great finisher. Um, the one that he did off the referee to end the match last night was a phenomenal move. It was a great spot. It's a spot that I hope I'll be able to see and replays and in and memes. Um, so I think. His in-ring work, and he's he's actually far more athletic, I think, in the ring than people think. I and mean, there's moosaws um, off of different apparatuses outside the ring. You know, he, he yeah. can fly. He can jump over the rope. He can jump through the ropes. Um, and, and and he can do some mat stuff, too. So I, I, I think in-ring is where he shines to me for somebody that doesn't really love the character. I love, like, I, I do think he's a really good wrestler. So I'm going to give him a really strong four. Could be a 4.5, but I'm going to leave it at 4 right now. What do you guys got? Cheats, that's that's pretty much what I would – That's a lot of that is what I would say too. Like I, the character doesn't quite have it for me, but I think what makes him believable and, and a fan favorite and excellent is he is a sound, exciting, technical, and professional wrestler. He knows what he's doing. He takes a, as we talked about earlier, a hell of a lot of punishment. You know that that slam on the on the ring steps, uh, you know that would that looked it looked like a botch almost, and <laughs> I, I I don't envy how probably either of those guys feel when they woke up this morning because I'm sure they both felt pretty messed up, and that's the sign of putting on a good show usually. That's and I'm sure those I'm sure they got a, a ton of respect backstage. I imagine they walked backstage and got the full applause like you've seen before because that was that performance was worthy of it, and. Archer was great, but Hangman, I think, did a lot of the heavy lifting, as he usually does, as a uh, face usually does. He is a 
I think exceptional wrestler. Again, I think mostly my problem with him might be his gimmick. Technically, he's a solid four. Yep. Ollie, what do you got? Yeah, I, my the way I evaluate this is pretty simple. Uh, can I suspend when I'm watching someone wrestle? Can I suspend my disbelief and really get into this as a fight, as a contest between two people? And all his his in ring work is clean. It all looks believable. There's nothing that looks silly or overdone. His buckshot larry is every time he does it i'm like god that takes it's one thing to do a flip right it's one thing to do a flip after like 30 minutes of wrestling and you're tired and your hands might be shaking and he does it flawlessly each time uh so he's for me he's a four out of five all right that puts a solid four for in-ring work so overall just a review the mic work gets a three the x-factor gets a 3.5 the uh, in-ring work hits a four, which is his highest score. That'll round out, obviously, to a 3.5 for us. So that puts Adam Hangman Page at a 3.5. I'll be interested to see when the game comes back to see exactly what they say about it. Right now, I can't tell you everybody we've rated. So far, the highest score that we have, I believe, is AJ Styles. Um, uh, AJ can't can argue with that. <laughs> the phenomenal one right now is the highest score we've had. I know we've rated Sammy. I know we've rated Roman. Now we've rated Hangman Page. We rated Thunder Rosa last week as our first woman that we rated, uh, woman professional wrestler that we rated. But a 3.5 for Adam Hangman Page. Gentlemen, thank you for that effort. Uh, it was very – it was great. It was well done. Great breakdowns. Um, last thing we'll do – we've got two more things to do before we get out of here, but I know we're running close on time. Just quick overall thoughts about uh, CM Punk, John Moxley teaming up, taking on an amazing tag team in FTR. Uh, every time I see FTR work, I'm I'm more and more impressed. Um, what did you guys just think of that collab? Oh, I thought it was excellent. You're right about FTR. They are currently the best tag team on the planet. I hope they feud with the Bucks soon because I would love to see that happen. Um, Moxley and Punk are two of the most well-known popular wrestlers around right now. And to see them collab was kind of a, kind of a dream thing. I when I, I was not expecting Moxley's music to hit when it did, it popped me. I liked it. Um, I liked they, you know, they fist bumped at, at the end, they respect each other. And when you think about how much Moxley and Rollins and Reigns would attack punk seven years ago, that's what I love about wrestling. I love seeing it, you know, thinking about that, when seven years later, they're there sort of back-to-back -back fighting. That's what makes wrestling cool for me to see guys like those two get together on a, on a match in a night like that. It totally worked for me on every level because I, I love both those guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. I think, one, it's I thought it was an inspired choice. Um, I'm a big fan of Moxley. Not a huge fan of his in-ring work. Not to say he's sloppy, but some of his moves just don't do it for me. But his gimmick, his look. His psychology, so much fun to watch. I always get popped. So when he came out, I loved it. And, you know, we always talk about when new people come into AEW, we're like, oh, my God, there's so many people they can work with. They can work with Brian Danielson. They can work with this person, that person. And so, you know, we've seen CM Punk fighting, aside from MJF, a lot of kind of, you know, lower mid-card guys. And you're like, sure. where's the meat? Like, he's not that young. Come on, don't waste too many more years. And, like, finally, I'm like, this, I'm more of this, please. More of this. It's, it's been such a slow build with CM Punk to the point where I think – uh, on our show, we talked about some growing frustration, right? About like, hey, man, when is he going to – and when he first came back, he didn't look that crisp, right? He looked like the ring rust. If it wasn't the very first match with Darby, 
after that, the ring rust did set in, and we're like, hey, man, when is CM Punk going to really become seeing Punk, uh, CM Punk? And I think you're starting to see that um, now. I think you're starting to see him get his win back, get his cardio back, kind of get his timing back in the ring. Um, and it's still not perfect. Don't get me wrong, because he was phenomenal. You know, yeah. seven, eight, seven years ago, eight years, oh. he was phenomenal. Yeah, his match um, against Brock Lesnar was one of my favorites over Paul Heyman. Like, oh, right? awesome. No, right? One of my favorites. So, so, um, so it, you know, to see that starting to come back, to see Moxley, um, who knew that taking um, a very short time off, considering what, considering the personal things he was going through, he was not out that long. But to come back and seem to not only remake his mental capacity but remade his body right he looks physically leaner by far looks like he's in really really great shape to the point where i'm like yo it's hard to believe that somebody this kind of thin and skinny is going to be the bully right in this room um but i i I do want to give some kudos to ftr only because i do think uh, maybe personally maybe this is a personal thing because there's so many great tag teams in AEW that um, they were not my choice. It's like I knew when they, they did the first FTR versus Young Bucks, like who's the best tag team in the world? I'm sitting here thinking my answer is always going to be the Lucha Brothers because I, lo- I just love them so they're much. Great. They're so good. Uh, they're so phenomenal. But FTR um, has really done some things, X-Factor things that uh, they're obviously their in-ring work is amazing. But yeah. some of the X-Factor things that they have done over the last year whether it was showing up at Ring of Honor and and kind of pushing around with the Briscoes, having everybody think those promos that they were doing, talking about the Briscoes and those guys going back, had everybody thinking they were going to show up at GCW. I think that's going to happen in AEW. I think that's going to happen. But the way that, you know, they believe it or not, I don't know how many people follow the indies that hard, but they took on the Rock and Roll Express and their final tour just I want to yep. say two two weeks ago. Yep. Um, and, and really paid a lot of like you know they they have really started to embrace not only the fact that they're super talented in the ring, but they have really started to embrace some of the stuff that happens outside the ring. Um, and and I love it. I love to see, uh, you know, how they've uh, kind of grown even into this thing within in inside the business where i think edge did a promo um oh, edge yeah. did a promo that mentioned their names on wwe television to when they somebody you know they were threatening beth phoenix at the house and they're like call the other you know uh, it's, it's just phenomenal so kudos to ftr i do think it was some dream booking there um to put cm punk and moxley together um for this episode which like i said was a phenomenal episode um, so much to talk about, gentlemen. This has been a lot of fun. Couple of things we got to do. Um, and this is kind of the funner segment of the week. You don't have to participate, but uh, we always kind of end our show with two things a heel of the week outside of wrestling. So, whoever your heel of the week is outside of wrestling, uh, you, you get it, you get your chance to, to shout it off, and then uh, think of a match. You we mentioned some matches over the course of this show, but. Think of a, a match that'll be the the match that people should watch if they're uh, nerding out like us during the week. So, give you a couple couple some more time to think of your heel of the week. So I'll I'll start, and it's it's the topic is a heel of the week. I do think that there's a uh, element of a hero of the week in this, 
Uh, but I have had a lot of conversations. Um, I'm a huge sports fan. I've had a lot of conversations about Brian Flores, the NFL, and the uh, discriminatory, the the hiring practice discriminatory lawsuit. Um, I have to say that the overall system in the NFL that allows for currently now two black coaches because they just hired one this week. He's a Texans hired one. But to have Mike Tomlin be the only African-American head coach years after the implementation of the Rooney rule, which at the time that they implemented the Rooney rule, there were three black head coaches. <laughs> um, going into this offseason, there was one. Yeah. And they've there, had this There rule. might be more black people on the Supreme Court than there right. would be black head coaches in the NFL. And so the system hasn't worked. I think the, the fact that they know, I think people inside, outside the NFL knows that those interviews that they set up, those Rooney Rule interviews are a farce. Um, and, and because they're just so overtly a farce, they really should figure out that that's not the right system. Like they should do something different there. Um, but I say all that to say um, a lot of folks are kind of examining the merits of the case or examining Brian Flores as who's 40 years old, right? He's not that old. Uh, and he's been a phenomenal, he's been a really good coach. Um, he's had some bad teams uh, with the dolphins, but he's had winning records. Um, so he's done a lot. I, this is such a big thing. The system is so kind of broken. Um, I think by him doing what he's done, it may not personally be good for him, but I think that it will figure out a way. I hope, that will force the league to to meaningfully figure out a way to engage um, those opportunities for for black head coaches and assistant coaches um, as they go through the ranks. Um, so, the heel of the week is the NFL hiring practices, uh, with a nod to Brian Flores for me to say, um, "Hey, you know, Godspeed, and and hopefully he'll be able to coach again one day." Good one, Ali. Ali what do you got? You got anything? There's a lot yeah. of general assembly stuff floating around. There is. I guess my heel of the week will be State Senator Dick Saslaw from Alexandria. <laughs> he voted against a bill that was in the state Senate to reform mandatory minimum prison sentences in Virginia. Yes. Um, personally, I work in child welfare. That's my day job. I've seen way too, fam too many families suffering the trauma of having one or multiple members of their family incarcerated. We incarcerate way too many people. There's too many people struggling with substance use that are in jail when they need to be getting treatment. Um, so I, we incarcerate more people than anyone else in the world, I think. So for him to vote against that, uh, he makes him the heel of the week for me. There you go. Well-deserved. Always, There's always room to give a politician heel of the week, even though half of this show works in politics. Um, <laughs> social media outings. Ty, Ty, social media outings. Ty, our co-host, who is not here today, has weighed in on social media. I appreciate it, Ty. We are showing your post as your heel of the week. Uh, Elliot, do you have an outside the ring heel of the week? I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the theme and, and I come from a family in government service. So I, I'm, um, feel loosely connected. I'm going to go to the very top Glenn Youngkin heel of the week. He can be the heel for the last several weeks. Um, and like you cheats, um, I'm going to caveat it with a hero of the week. Uh, you know, uh, first thing Youngkin want to do was, and all the mask mandates. We are not out of this pandemic yet. We're still pretty much neck deep in it, although it looks like there is some light ahead, but there's it, it can get dark again real quick. We all know that because we have not reached a, a level of vaccination high enough to get comfortable yet. We just haven't. We This, this could have been over sooner, but there's a large segment of us that are just 
not acting, you know, but, but it's caveats into my hero of Amy Cashwell of Henrico County. Henrico has basically told the governor to stuff it and has told uh, the, the parents of the school system, deal with it. You know, we're not, we're not changing. I hope that, you know, she's, you know, sure. Amy, Ca Amy Cashwell can become my heel of the week very quickly, very quickly. If, if she caves and they reverse their decision, but she hasn't, doesn't look like it's happening yet. And as a parent of a Henrico County uh, public school elementary student, these emails we've gotten that basically have re reaffirmed what the law is and reaffirmed that the governor really can't tell us what to do. And parents, you signed a contract at the start of the year. So suck it, you know, so and, and, I've, and I've like got a I've got a first grader in Henrico schools as well. We just, he just went back to school on Monday from two weeks of COVID. Um, and yep. so the, the, the interesting thing about some of these debates and, and we hear it all the time because there's these like philosophical debates high in these ivory towers or Congress or things that um, really don't, don't, don't really see on the ground. Right. And the interesting thing is there are so many teachers like public educators that are teaching these kids and they're 16 to 25 to 30 students in a class and they want the students to wear their masks. They want to wear their mask. Um, and so I, I, I commend any public educator, uh, public servant that's really doing, doing the best they can and with some really tough hands, man. Like you said, my kid was out of school for two weeks and that's tough for teachers to have not just, I mean, it wasn't just my son. So it's tough to have kid, you know, kids out of school and then they have to come back and catch up. There's just so much going on. So I definitely, uh, definitely want to commend all of the teachers, public servants. I think you're right. Um, and hopefully as, as we keep moving through this pandemic, because it's like I said, we were just down. Our family was just down, uh, you know, less than we, we all are back in tested negative as leading into this week. But prior to that, we are, my son got it. So, I, you know, I got it. My son got it. My wife got it. Um, and, you know, we do credit, um, you know, trying to protect ourselves and vaccinations and that stuff to make it a very mild situation for us where we know had this been March of 2020 instead of February of 2022, it could have ended a lot differently for us. Yeah. As someone as someone who's got a couple of co comorbidities, yep. I'm vaxxed, I'm boosted. But even even now, like we're, we're with Oma, I can't afford to get it. I don't no. want to get it. You know, yeah. No. And my, you know, we're getting notified every other day that a kid in the class or whatever, you know, so sure. we're, we're, we're testing and we're doing what we can. And I, you know, I, I, my heel of the week might almost be anyone who tell, who says you can't live in fear. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not scared of anything. I'm not no, a, I, just want to, I just want to help people. Out. Yeah. I, I'm not living my life in fear whatsoever about this. It's, I'm, you know, pardon me for having some decency and humanity, but yeah, this is not, <laughs> this is not living in fear. This is living without in my gentlemen, opinion, this is living without toxic masculinity. There's where. Gentlemen, that's great. Let me let me just one thing I want to point out about again back to the AEW Dynamite show. This has been a very heavy AEW uh, Dynamite episode because it was such a great show. Ty, we will have to uh, go back to Connecticut and the and the WWE headquarters next week when you come back because there's so much that that is happening over there. But um, one thing we didn't talk about, gentlemen, is the Forbidden Door debut of Switchblade Jay White. Who did show up? That's another. He didn't really wrestle. Uh, he, uh, Trent and uh, Rocky Romero, he kind of helped the uh, young Bucks and Adam Cole uh, beat them up for a bit. 
this is Lee. I will tell you, I'm going to put my not, you know, Captain Obvious hat on. And Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Switch J, Switchblade J Wright, they're going to be a stable. They're going to be a faction that takes on BTE, the Bucks, Omega when they all come back. It's going to be really, really exciting. So, yeah, get ready for that. Uh, Ty has weighed in with his match. So, it's Switchblade uh, J White versus Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Ty, you did not put the year. But all of Ty's great matches you can look up on YouTube. Uh, so please look that up. Any other matches before we get out of here, gentlemen, that the people should watch this week? I mean, if you want to if you want to crack up and laugh, I've watched a handful of Danhausen videos in the last week and a half. We talked about Danhausen last week. Yeah, phenomenal. There's, phenomenal. There, there's one where he's in a bar and oh yeah, like go go watch some Danhausen videos because <laughs> you know he he's got an it factor. I love that he's gotten himself over on the internet, and I hope it translates to TV because he he cracks me up. So go watch some Danhausen. Support your Danhausen. Awesome, Ali. Final words here. Uh, if you want matches, I'll just, you know, since we mentioned Dolph Ziggler earlier, I'll just say, you know, going back and watching some Dolph Ziggler and uh, um, Shinsuke Nakamura matches, those are always fun, really entertaining, really athletic. Ziggler, who showed up on NXT this week. We Again, we didn't talk about the, any of the other promotions or brands this week, including WWE, but uh, Dolph showed up for the um, Braun Breaker uh, Escobar match and i think they might throw him in that um i'm i'm always kind of weird on nxt 2.0 i will say their shows have been rather entertaining of late um it started really rocky but they're they're starting to figure some things out um and they're starting i don't know why wwe is doing this exactly maybe it is to boost nxt's brand a little bit but if you've noticed matt riddle uh aj styles um, quite a few people have come down from the main roster to spend some time in NXT. Dolph Ziggler is the latest to do so, um, and that's going to be—it's going to be interesting to see how the, how that all plays out. So, gentlemen, we've got to wrap it here. Thank you so much for this wonderful episode of Wrestling Chat with Friends. Um, if you're on social media, tell everybody where to follow you. Uh, Ali, I know you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Elliot, I don't think you're on Twitter, but where can people oh, follow you? Oh, you I'm on? on I'm on Twitter and okay, yeah, uh, at at E A J R V A, um, okay. and uh, yeah, catch me anytime. I'm talking wrestling. I'm talking Star Wars. I'm talking politics. You know, I'm talking Twitter. That's what Twitter's about. Perfect, perfect. Ali, what you got? Uh, I tweet for my day job, so I tweet a lot about child welfare. Um, maternal health, infant health, that sort of stuff at Families Forward VA. Uh, so, And I didn't know, there. look, um, look, we, we've become friends over this uh, pandemic time. I didn't know uh, how how much your viral posts, you, 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 your, your viral tweets are being covered in New York Times and Wall Street Journal. So make sure you follow that account. It is awesome what awesome. you've been able to highlight. So great work, Ali. Uh, helping families as you always have done and it's a uh, it's noble work so ladies and gentlemen this is wrestling chat with friends we've got to end it here this is on the family podcast network please visit the subscribe uh sign up follow wrestling chat on twitter uh wc wcwf pod and until next time 
ladies and gentlemen, we got to count you out. One, two, three. See you next time.